In your corner, we are back. Once again, you bet. Time to reach out. 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca. You have questions about uh, disability? Get them answered online, mydisabilityquestions.com. James Savan will answer those questions. There's a uh, pretty lengthy drop-down menu of previous questions if yours has not been asked and answered in depth. I'll leave it there, and the guys will get to it very shortly. Lots of stuff to get to on the uh, the show today. Fellas, Savannah, I think you got a couple of cases to talk about for the week that was, yeah? I do. I have two, and I think James has one. So let me, let me just start off. Uh, let me read to you an email that I received, uh, sent directly to me, uh, and it's a very uh, tragic situation, and unfortunately, we can't help this individual, but there's lots to learn from it. So here's the email. In 1989, my husband became disabled. He received LTD from, and then this person writes the name of the insurance company, through his employer, but they kept cutting him off, indicating that they needed more information. Eventually, my husband was granted CPP disability. As the insurance company kept giving us problems by cutting off my husband's benefits, and I was taking care of my sick husband and two young children, we decided that it was not worth the headache to continue fighting. We decided to live on my wages and his CPP disability. Can you help my husband get what is owed to him based on his giving up fighting? for LTD in 1989-1990. So very tragic situation. Uh, unfortunately, we can't help because here in Ontario, we have a two-year um, limitation, lim- limitation right. yeah, of, of, uh, for starting legal claims. And uh, we can't go back that far, but this is something that's very, very common. And I think a lot of people find themselves in this predicament where you know, they're really being toyed around by the insurance company, being cut off, being approved, uh, sometimes they get cut off and the person thinks that they can appeal that decision and they go through one level of appeal, a second level of appeal, three appeals, four appeals, et cetera, et cetera, and eventually they give up. They give up and, and they give up money that is owed to them by the insurance company. You know, And people contact me, contact James, and they ask us, well, what's the alternative? What can we do? What power do we have? Well, the power that you have is the power to enforce the contract that the insurance company has with you. And the way we do that is by starting a legal claim, right. not going through that internal process of appeals that insurance companies have. So this individual who wrote to me w- with this tragic stories from decades ago, I can't help them. But perhaps with her story, we can help many people who are listening. And, and by the way, if you're listening and this doesn't apply to you, maybe you know someone to whom it does apply. So share that with those people. Tell them to contact us. It costs nothing to talk to us. We will review the documentation for free, and we'll tell you if you have a case. And and by the way, not in every instance you have a case, just like with this lady. But if you do have a case, at least it's a good thing for you to know that you have a case, and that way you know what options you have and make an informed decision on how you want to proceed. By the way, the uh, TV version of In Your Corner happens on Global TV Sundays at uh, at 8.30 in the morning. James? Yeah, I, I want to actually talk about um, this person that wrote to Savon. Um, this really brings around a couple things that we talk about a lot. Savon likes to talk frequently about how this is a numbers game mm-hmm. for the insurers. And a lot of our clients or potential clients will call us and they'll say, I don't understand why I'm getting cut off. Every doctor who has seen me is saying that I am disabled. Well, let's put those two together. Looking at it from the insurer's perspective, this person who you know was entitled, ought to have been entitled for benefits for the last 30 years, has not received them and now has no chance of doing it. That's 30 years of benefits. That is easily in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for sure. So from the insurer's perspective, they have every incentive to try to cut off as many claims as they can as early as possible. And if only one case like this winds up denied and not fought, 
they are saving a ton of money. But the truth of the matter is that many people in this position give up fighting. So the insurance company winds up doing very well on these cases. What can you do about it? Don't be one of those numbers. Don't be one of those people that gives the insurance company money that they're not entitled to. You can fight, and when you do, it changes everything once you have legal counsel and you bring a claim that can be that takes the power away from the insurance company. And clearly, John, in this particular case, her husband was even approved for CPP disability, so the government recognized that he's permanently disabled. You know, this arguably is arguably a tougher test, right? Yeah, it, not arguably. It's a tougher it test. It is. I, it's it's yeah. a tougher test, and and you know, clearly the insurance company did not <laughs> care. It, it, you know, the 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 issue for them was not whether or not he's disabled. The issue for them was can we shake him off claim? And in that case, they were able to shake him off claim. And James is right. Thirty years worth of benefits that now, you know, that money is left in the pockets of the insurance company. Multiply that by hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals across the province every single day, week, month, and year. It's a ton of money. And it's unfortunate that the government doesn't regulate the insurance industry better, but this is again where we come in. And we are telling you, you have rights, you can enforce those rights. These are your rights, we can't enforce them for you, meaning that you have to make the decision to call us, to contact us, to let us help you. Before we uh, break, Savan, tell us a little bit about the affiliation now with some consultants that started recently, right? That's right. We have people, uh, of course, because of, of our show as well as Lior's employment show, uh, contacting us who have questions about workers' compensation and, and frankly, about CPP disability and uh, disability tax credits, Ontario Works, those kinds of programs. And while we don't uh, handle those kinds of cases internally in our office, mm-hmm. there are certain consultants that we're now affiliated with who have decades of experience working within those programs. They're not lawyers, uh, but they can help individuals who are facing issues relating to those programs. And, and if you contact us, we can put you in touch with them. Again, the number one 821 5900 Email simple as well. Help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll get to some emails here very shortly after break. And I know, James, you got some stuff to talk about uh, as well. In Your Corner, this edition is just getting warmed up right here on Global News Radio. In your corner, the number to reach out, one 821 5900 That is toll-free, and help at inyourcorner.ca is the way to reach out through email, which we will start covering here in a, uh, in a few minutes. James, what's going on in your world, pal? I have a, a friend, a lawyer, who works in another field who contacted me because she has a client that lost his job and was subsequently diagnosed with cancer and was awaiting a, a transplant, a bone marrow transplant. Um, And this all happened while he was receiving what's called statutory notice. I don't want to get too in-depth into employment law issues. I'll leave that for for Lior in his show. But the point of the matter is that he realized that he had this cancer diagnosis while he was still covered under his policy, even though he had lost his job because he was still in the notice period. And so really what they wanted to figure out is, are they still going to be covered Mm -hmm. under the policy? And so it's an interesting question because... From a physical perspective, before he actually was able to have um, the the transplant, arguably the insurance company might say, well, as long as he wasn't significantly weakened, if it's a sedentary job, then they probably could go about doing the job from a physical perspective. But from a psychological perspective, it isn't very difficult to understand how getting a diagnosis of cancer and waiting to get notified that you're going to be able to have a viable transplant and not knowing how that's going to go, that would weigh very heavily on anybody. I don't know whether or not it would have been sufficient to prevent the person from working. I'd have to take a look at the records and talk to the individual. 
but certainly there is a strong argument that could be made in those circumstances. And so if you're able to get obtain records that would support that, it's certainly something that would suggest this person has a claim. And in any case, there's certainly going to be a risk on the insurance company if they deny that claim that if it went to court, they would lose. And it's really bad PR. You don't want to be denying claims for people who have been diagnosed with cancer and who are dealing with those issues. So the short answer is this. If you are concerned about whether or not you have coverage because you've lost your job, give us a call and we can talk through the scenarios. This is one very specific scenario, Mm -hmm. and I think there is a good outcome that could come of it from a disability benefits perspective. But every scenario is different. It's very simple. You give us a call. It's always free. The consultation is always free, and we will discuss your specific circumstances and give you the best answer that we can and move forward from there. The number that uh, James refers to, of course, one 821 What do you got going on, Simon? John, let me tell you about a question that was just posted to mydisabilityquestions.com, that website that we run for free. Here's the question, and it comes from Vivian. I've, I've seen several people on this forum that are on LTD for several, several years. Uh, two years for mental issues, but I know that insurance companies like to cut you off after the two-year mark. If you are still unable to work, do they still have to pay you, and does the employer have to still keep you on? So, John, that's a very interesting uh, posting because it really applies across the board for a lot of people. John, this is a very important posting. Let's go back to basics here. She's mentioning uh, the two years uh, mark for LTD. And the reason why that's important is because many people get cut off at the two-year mark or just before the two-year mark. And the reason is this. Uh, To qualify for LTD for the first two years, you have to demonstrate through your doctor's uh, opinions, have your doctors write in the reports that you cannot do your occupation, okay? Beyond the two-year mark, you have to demonstrate, in other words, your doctors have to say that you cannot do any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. And, you know, what she writes here is that insurance companies like to cut you off after the two-year mark. That's actually incorrect. They generally cut you off before the two-year mark because they allege that you can, in fact, do some other type of work. And they may send you for assessments, you know, to bolster their position. And the reality is, especially when you're dealing with mental health issues, that if you were disabled for the first two years, very likely you are disabled beyond the two-year mark if, in fact, you're still suffering from those same mental and health issues. Now, she also uh, mentions here or or asks, does your employer have to keep you on? Well, yes, your employer still has to keep you employed. If your employer lets you go while you are on disability, they are potentially violating your human rights. And that means that not only are you entitled to severance, you're also potentially entitled to human rights damages. And the reason that's important is because, again, if you are let go while you are on disability, In the vast majority of policies, uh, policies contain provisions that entitle the insurance company for a credit for any severance you receive, but they don't get credit for any human rights damages. So again, there's a lot to unpack here in this question, but it's a very common concern that people have. Am I going to get cut off at that two-year mark just before or just after? What do I do about that? And do I have any rights vis-a-vis the insurance company and vis-a-vis my employer? And the answer is yes to both. 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900. It's the number help at uh, help at inyourcorner.ca. Rather, is the email address. Jasmine, write to your email after we come back from a short break right here on In Your Corner, Global News Radio. The number 1-855-821-5900. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address to reach out. Jasmine up first. Jasmine writes in, says, I've been on LTD for a year, and recently I've noticed that someone is following me with a camera 
I've been going swimming twice a week as per my doctor's advice to release my stress and anxiety and also to help my back pains. Should I stop doing that if the insurance company has hired a private investigator? Uh, what if they stop paying me because of this? Great question, Jasmine. So let me start by answering this a little bit more generally, and then I'll sort of focus on the details of your case. Generally speaking, a lot of people have a lot of concern about the possibility of surveillance. They're worried that if they apply for long-term disability, that they're going to have someone following them around all the time and they'll lose all their privacy. So the first thing you need to really understand is, although there is surveillance at times, is more the exception than the rule. It's not so uncommon, but I wouldn't you know, bring a long-term disability benefits claim and expect that that's automatically going to happen, especially if you're dealing with something that is not contentious. If you have an objective physical injury, especially you know, during the acute period of recovery, they're not going to waste their money hiring an investigator right. when you're you know, still in the hospital or when you know, your leg is casted. That's not going to happen. On the other hand, it can happen later on during the claim. certainly happens with some frequency in mental health claims. But that doesn't mean it's anything that you ever need to concern yourself with. The reality is that as long as when you're speaking with your doctors or if you're examined by a lawyer, your answers are always honest. As long as that's the case, you never have to worry about an investigator because if they film you doing something that you have been told you were able to do and that you have been honest about throughout, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter if they have video evidence of you doing it. That's already in the record. <clears throat> so getting to Jasmine's question here, she wants to know whether she should stop the swimming that has been recommended to her by her doctor. And the answer is a very hard no. Don't stop doing that. Oh. For two reasons. Number one, your doctor is telling you to do this, so it's probably good for your health. Number two, it's one of those things where the reality is you're probably damned if you do and damned if you don't. Right. And what I mean by that is this. If you continue to do it, yeah, they have an investigator, and yeah, they're probably going to try and use that against you, even though your doctor has said you can do it. They are probably going to try and use that to suggest that you are able to go back yeah. to your job. That doesn't mean that they're right in doing it. They may cut you off because of that, but it doesn't mean that they're correct. And if you challenge them legally, they would lose on that. If your doctor is saying it's something you should do, they can't cut you off on that basis. That doesn't mean you can go back to work. On the other hand, if you stop your swimming mm -hmm. that your doctor has told you you should do, and that is on the record, and your doctor has advised you you should do this, I guarantee you they're going to say you're not following the recommended right. treatment, and therefore we're cutting you off. So if you're damned either way, you might as well follow your doctor's advice because that's going to uh, lead you to a good result more often than not. It's going to put you in the best position possible, both in terms of your health and legally speaking. Is it responsible for these, uh, whoever this person is doing the camera and, and surveilling, is it responsible for them to be noticed so easily by the person they're watching? Well, Shouldn't they kind of be lurking and not be noticed? You shouldn't be interrupting someone's life. That's a great question. We had an investigator on a few months back, and you know, I am sure that he would tell you that, no, that's pretty bad form. I don't expect most of the time that they are being noticed or um, are doing anything that is going to interfere with your day-to-day right. -day activities. But sure, occasionally they can be a little bit sloppy, or you might get lucky and notice them there. More often than not, though, it isn't something that you're ever going to be aware of. Get to an email from uh, from Janet here. Janet says, my father was in a bad car accident three years ago, and he hired a lawyer to help him. Last year, he stopped working because his injuries got progressively worse. He applied for long-term disability and was denied. His lawyer said that he doesn't deal with long-term disability. 
Is it a problem if we contact another lawyer like you to help with his disability case? Is that a problem to have different lawyers on different parts of the case? So the answer is a maybe. Uh, certainly, there is no issue for us to to handle the disability case, Janet. Uh, but I will tell you this: I mean, this is in my mind like you know building a house. Do you really want multiple uh, project managers? Do you want to have you know so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak? Because these claims are intertwined, and you know it's the same thing that we talk about, John, when, when we're dealing with with employment issues for people who are on disabilities, where they have uh, an employment issue with their employer uh, and a disability issue with their disability provider. Right. And of course, one touches the other, right? Because the the, the compensation the person is entitled to from all of these various uh, issues that arise from these issues, th- they impact each other. So, you know, we can certainly handle the long-term disability case for your father, Janet, but I will tell you this, in my opinion, at least, to have one firm that is dealing with all of the issues and have one firm that has expertise in all of these issues. And incidentally, in this case, he may very well have issues arising out of his employment. So now you could potentially be dealing with three cases, not just two. It is advisable to be dealing uh, with one law firm, not necessarily one lawyer, but one law firm that has lawyers that have expertise in all of these areas. That's not 100% necessary, uh, but it is advisable. And, and that, in my mind, is how you make sure that you know, your father's compensation on all front is maximized. Having said that, though, if you are with another lawyer for one part of your claim, it is not uncommon, nor is it you know, that difficult for us to take over you know, the disability part of the claim that, the, that another lawyer is not ready to handle for you. It can be done. It is done. It's not necessarily ideal, but oftentimes if you're far enough down the road, it wouldn't make sense to move a file over anyway. So if that's your concern, we can certainly help. 1-855-821-5900, the number to reach out. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll talk about LTD settlements after a short break here on In Your Corner. 1-855-821-5900, the number to get a hold of uh, James, Savannah, the rest of the team, and it is help at inyourcorner.ca. You have questions outside of the show, mydisabilityquestions.com is a great resource for you to ask your questions and get them answered uh, rather quickly. LTD Settlements, guys, a few questions on this. Um, Insurance companies, are they interested in settling LTD cases? If so, when? Sure, they're absolutely interested in settling cases, but... They're not interested in settling it unless you force them into a position where they have little other choice. And what does that mean? Well, it means taking the power away from them by starting a legal claim. They will invite you when they deny or cut off your benefits to appeal the claim. And this is something that we talk about on every show that we do. The appeal process is an informal process that they control, that they set up. It is not independent. If you appeal, it does not go to some independent third party who's going to look at it with fresh eyes. Far more cases than not, they're simply just going to maintain their denial or cutting off of your benefits. So it doesn't make any sense to appeal it. But if you bring a legal claim, then they have every incentive to want to settle your claim. And there's many reasons for that. It costs them a ton of money to keep the file open. They have to pay a lawyer to manage the claim. And they know that if they don't settle the claim, they they risk having a public decision made by a judge in court mm. that can be potentially very embarrassing to them and can cost them money beyond just what's owed under the policy. They might have to pay punitive damages as well. So their appetite for settling once it becomes a legal claim is much greater because now they're dealing with you, not just some injured person who has no clue what to do. 
it's infinitely beyond greater. appealing. It's infinitely greater, exactly. Because first of all, they're dealing with a lawyer on the other side in most cases. And secondly, exactly for the reason that James just outlined, we are forcing their hand to come to the table. And you know they, they can't simply ignore the claim. They have to move forward with the legal process because we've initiated it. Uh, whereas with an appeal, you know, let's go back to the first segment when I started off with the, with the lady that contacted me about her husband right. from 1989, who, you know, eventually they just gave up on that. Well, in that case, the insurance company was not eager to settle because there was no legal claim that was started. And now 30 years later, she's emailing me, perhaps I can help her husband and I can't. Well, if you're in a, if, if you're in a situation where in the last two years, that's important here. You cannot wait beyond two years from the date of first denial. But in the last two years, you were denied or cut off LTD. We can help you. It's that simple. So long as we have the proper paperwork and your doctors are saying you're still disabled. So very, very important. They are eager to settle as long as we initiate the legal process. During that legal process, at what point typically do these cases get settled? So that depends. It's a case-by-case basis, but generally speaking, we resolve the vast majority of LTD cases at mediation. And what is mediation? That's an important part of the process. Uh, That's when we come to an office environment. This this is not court, okay? It's just an office, and it's us, let's say myself or James, with our clients. Uh, The insurance company will have their lawyer there, uh, and they'll have somebody from the insurance company, not the same adjuster who cut you off or denied you in the first place, but a different person Mm -hmm whose job it is to try and resolve that claim. So the insurance company is coming to the mediation with the purpose of trying to settle the case. Let me repeat that. They are coming to mediation with the purpose of settling your case. I don't recall the last time I had a mediation where the insurance company came to a mediation with zero (sighs) dollars. You know, so that tells you something. They understand that there is a cost to fighting this legal claim. And frankly, in the vast majority of cases, I can tell you that not only are our clients happy with the ultimate result, but the insurance company is unhappy because they had to pay something they thought they could get away with not paying. This question actually leads to another issue that a lot of people are worried about in the context of starting a legal claim for disability benefits. I hear this question a lot from potential clients and they say, well, James, what happens if a few months down the road I start feeling better and I want to go back to work? If I bring a claim, I can't go back to work, can I? Well, that's absolutely not true. That's absolutely not true and I want to dispel that myth right here, right now. If you are feeling better and you can go back to work, you can and you should, assuming your doctor approves of it. And what does that mean for your case? Well, that doesn't mean you have no case anymore. If you've been cut off your benefits for six months before you're able to return to work, then you ought to be entitled for six months of benefits. And even if I already have a mediation on the books for three or four months down the road after you return to work and you go back to work and you, you know, you're there for four or five weeks and you say to me, James, you know what? I'm feeling better. I think I can do this. I'm good. And I say, okay, great. I'm going to call defense counsel. I'm going to advise them that you're back at work. And we're going to see if we can just resolve this informally. We may not even have to go all the way to mediation. Because in those circumstances, we're dealing with a finite claim. We're dealing with a claim that is limited to the amount of time that they cut you off until you return back to work. And that is actually quite easy to resolve. So it can resolve even sooner if you're able to go back to work. Is the mediation not a mechanism that is, um, I guess, not just Canadian law, but you have to have a mediation, do you not? Isn't that part of Canadian law? That's a good thing, is it not? You have to go through that first. In some jurisdictions in Ontario, there are three jurisdictions where mediation is mandatory. Right. But I can tell you, in in every case I've had across the province, 
insurance companies are interested in talking settlement. They're not interested, they're eager. They're eager. eager. Whether it's in the context, it's very good. Whether it's in the context of a mediation or just by phone, here's the other thing people need to understand. It's not what you see in the movies, okay? No one's going to be grilling you and, and making you feel, you know, like nothing. At a mediation, you don't have to actually say anything. We do all the talking. You, you can certainly say something if you want. You can express your frustration. Mm-hmm. You can express how angry you are, but you don't need to. We do the talking. And that's true throughout the life of the nice. claim. You know, again, depending on where the claim is at, I can tell you that the vast majority of cases... Uh, we start the legal claim, we get all the necessary medical documents, we deal with the defense lawyers. Our clients actually have very little involvement uh, with, with, with you know, the claims process itself, case-by-case case basis, obviously, but it's actually a, a fairly stress-free uh, process because we are handling everything. Nice. We are taking it on our own. They're not dealing with the insurance adjuster anymore. They're not talking. In fact, the insurance company cannot and is not allowed to communicate with them directly. It has to go through us. So mediation is a very, very successful forum where we resolve most cases. We'll talk a little more about that after a short break. Uh, James, I know you got some comments for some uh, some further talking points here when it comes to LTD settlements. You want to reach out in the meantime, one 821 5900 and help at inyourcorner.ca. Stick around. Lots more on the way right here on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 help at inyourcorner.ca, the number to reach out. If you haven't gone there yet, mydisabilityquestions.com is a place where you uh, can ask some questions and get them answered by Savannah and his team rather quickly, I should mention his way. And Global TV, in your corner, the televised version, Sunday mornings at uh, 8.30. Talking about LTD settlements, this is of, of, of interest to, uh, to most people who would listen to the show or have been through this before. Uh, most common types of settlements, what are they? There's really two that come up far more often than not. And one is called a lump sum settlement, and the other is a reinstatement. So in a lump sum settlement, what you're looking to do, let's say we're at mediation, we're looking to make sure that the insurer pays not only what they owe you from the date they either denied or cut off your benefits until the date of mediation, but also what we believe that you're going to be entitled to into the future for as long as you may be entitled to that. Most policies end at age 65, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you qualify for disability benefits now that you're going to be qualified until age 65. Right. That will depend on what the medical documents say. So that's one way to do it. And in fact, that is by far the most common way. The other way to do it is a reinstatement, which works the same way up to the date of the mediation. You're looking to get the benefits that you are owed from the date you were cut off or denied until the date of mediation. But instead of getting anything paid up front as a lump sum for what you would be owed in the future, you're simply put back onto the claim. So that essentially means that you are now getting your monthly benefits, but you're also dealing with the insurance company and you know, you're having to provide them with updates on your health and take their phone calls and what have you. And you can see right away there's several reasons why, from an individual's perspective, this is not a particularly attractive yeah. way to get a settlement. Number one, you're getting less money up front. That's just right there for you. You're not getting anything for your future benefits up front. Number two, you have to have an ongoing relationship with the insurance company. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with the adjusters. Now, sometimes people have issues with their specific adjusters. Sometimes they don't. But you have to continue to provide them with updates on your health status, take their phone calls, and go to whatever treatment is recommended. Now, you don't have to use their providers, as we say many times, but they're going to try and push you to do that. So now you have to deal with them again. So obviously, for most people, that's not a particularly attractive scenario. 
they would prefer to get more money now and not have to deal yep. with the insurance company. But believe it or not, it's actually more attractive for the insurance companies to do Which a lump sum settlement. Too. Well, when you think about it from their perspective, it's actually less expensive because every file that's open is another file that has to be handled by an adjuster. And if you're doing this on a you know on a, on a looking at it from a bird's eye view, looking at all of the cases that they have open. Now, surprisingly, from the insurance company's perspective, it's not particularly attractive for them to do reinstatements either. And it's simply because it's more expensive for them to keep these files open. The more open files they have, the more adjusters they have to pay. That's a cost for them. But also, the more files they have open, the more treatment they're paying for. And that's certainly a cost for them as well, too. And the third thing is they like to have certainty. They like to be able to put a dollar value on the claim, close the books, and move on. So there is value in it for the insurance company. There's value in it for the individual. And far more often than not, that is the way that we resolve it. Not always, but far more often than not. John, I have actually nothing to add to what James just said. No. I thought it was, yeah, I thought Come it was on. it was an excellent answer. The only thing that I will point out is that we're talking about how much the insurance company will pay, not whether they will pay, how much they will pay, and in what form. And, and I just think that's something we have to stress because, again, we're talking about cases where individuals were told you are getting zero dollars, and here we are talking about what happens when we get involved, get you through into a mediation, and then we're talking about not whether you will get paid, but how much and in what way. Very, very important. Very interesting. Did the, did the insurance company get everything out? Get anything else about settling the claim? Is that why they're eager to do it? So Absolutely. Yeah, like benefits. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're interested in settling. Obviously, as James pointed out, I mean, they they want to stop the money bleed. They want to start, def- you know, stop defending the claim, stop dealing right. with your claim. They just want finality, but they want two other things. Remember, when we're starting the legal process. They want to shut that down, and one of the things they get in return for uh, giving our client the money that our client is owed uh, is they're getting our client's agreement and consent to shut down the claim, to literally discontinue, to to dismiss that legal claim. So it's done. So it's done. Yeah. The other thing that they want is they want a release. They want something that releases them from future liability, again, depending on, on the settlement that you have. Now, one, one, one thing that these releases usually have is they have confidentiality clauses. So think about that for a second. In virtually every case I have ever settled, I have had the insurance company insisting that the release that my client signs in exchange for the money that they're getting contains a clause that says that they must keep the, the settlement confidential. What does that tell you? They don't want it out there. They don't in want the our clients the, in the media. They don't want our clients going and, and, and telling coworkers and colleagues and other people who are facing those same issues. Again, that tells you something about how insurance companies are viewing this. They don't want you to get the word out that, in fact, you can stand up to them and you can get them to pay and force them to pay what you are owed. We'll take a, a short break, fellas. Right back to the emails. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. George, stand by. Yours is coming up. I know you just sent it over, so we'll get to that. Uh, the number is one 821 5900 Anytime to reach out. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 is the number to reach out. Get a hold of the guys. And email is help at inyourcorner.ca. And that's where we're, uh, we're going to go right now. George writes in, says, I was on LTD for over two years because of an injury. Eventually, I got strong enough to try and return back to work, but it didn't work out. I didn't last uh, for two weeks before my doctor told me that I'm still not ready. But when I contacted my insurance company, they said that my benefits are done and they won't pay me again. I thought that if I tried and wasn't able to go back, they would help me. I don't know what to do. Please help, guys. Sure. So 
most policies, almost all policies we look at, will have language in the policy that allows you to attempt to return to work and would say that if you're not able to do that because of your disability, that you would be entitled to resume your claim and so that it wouldn't have an impact on you. And in fact, it will almost always say that as long as you do so within a certain amount of time, you don't have to wait what's called the elimination period. Usually it's like six months or sometimes shorter. You don't have to wait that elimination period before resuming your claim. You would just be able to... You should just be able to resume it right away. So in theory, that is how it works. In practice, it rarely works that way. In fact, I can't really recall seeing a situation where someone has attempted to go back to work and wasn't successful in doing that, and then the insurance company said, okay, you gave it a shot, we're going to continue paying your benefits. No, they smell blood in the water, and so when you try and go back to work, if you're not successful, they're just going to say that you weren't trying hard enough. That is almost always what they're going to say. Now, does that mean you should not try to go back to work? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. If you're hearing that, you're not hearing me correctly. What I am saying to you, though, is that when you decide that you want to go back to work, make sure that it's the right time to do so. And what I mean by that is make sure, number one, that your doctors are saying that you can give it a shot. Very rarely is your doctor going to definitively say, oh, yes, you should go back to work. They will usually say something to the effect of, if you feel up to it, you can give it a try, make sure you abide by these restrictions. And assuming you get that kind of a go-ahead from your doctor, if you feel positively about it, if you feel that Mm -hmm. you have a good chance of succeeding, then yeah, you should give it a... Absolutely, give it a try. You are far better off if you're able to go back to work. You're going to get 100% of your income as opposed to whatever it says in the policy, which is usually 60 65%, something in that range. So you're better off if you can return to work, but just make sure that you're careful about when you do it. Make sure your doctor says it's okay. Make sure you feel okay about it because if you try too early and you're not successful, they will almost certainly try to use it against you. Doesn't mean that they'll win, by the way. Doesn't mean that if you challenge them on that, that they're going to win. Usually they won't, but you'd rather not have to go through that. You want to make sure that the timing is right. Is it good enough a note from your doctor telling your employer, look, he's going to give this a shot, or should you have always, always written correspondence with your employer and say, look, you know, Mr. Employer, Mr. Boss, I'm going to give this a shot, but it's not 100% guarantee I might not make it through. Yeah, I mean, I think that the more the better in terms of you uh, explaining that it's it's a tryout. Right. And, and you know, you're going to do your best, and it's your intention, if, if at all possible, to return to work. And, and John, you know, I had somebody contact me uh, and say, you know, I, I'm thinking about doing this. I've spoken to my doctor, and I'm interested in trying to go back to work, uh, giving it a shot. What should I do uh, if it doesn't work out? Or, you know, what can I do preemptively to make sure that I'm not in a situation like James described where the insurance company basically says, well, we just don't want, you know, to put you back on claim if, if you're unsuccessful. Right. And and what I told this person is I said, you know, you got to do two things. Number one, uh, you know, if it all works out, fantastic. I'm never going to hear from you again. You're going to work. Everything's great. Insurance company's happy. You're happy. Everyone's happy. If it doesn't work out, it's very, very important that your employer, if at all possible, documents what happened to you, that you know you have correspondence with your HR department, that it's documented that you did try your best and here's what happened uh, while you were at work and why the, the uh, return to work program or return to work attempt did not work. Secondly, contemporaneously, you have to go see your doctor as soon as possible if it's a failure. Meaning, for example, let's say that you're experiencing some episode relating to your disability at work that prevents you from, uh, you know, continuing with work that day. 
make sure you go see your doctor or even a walking clinic that day or the following day. Don't wait a week or two weeks. Make sure everything is reported to your doctor or whichever doctor you're going to see. Because again, the insurance company is going to want to see those records. And the more is documented about your attempted return to work, your attempt to return to work and the failure, uh, the more I think we're going to be able to help you if the insurance company does not put you back on claim. And by the way, uh, going back to what James said, the vast majority of policies do have this kind of a clause or a provision that allows you to go back. It's called a recurrence clause. And you know, if you're wondering if you have it, just pull up your policy and take a look uh, to see if you have that kind of a provision. One more little pointer if you're in this position and you want to protect yourself. When you get to the point where you decide that you're prepared to do it and you tell your adjuster, as we say with all conversations with adjuster, with adjusters, make sure that you follow up with an email in writing setting out exactly what it is that you feel about this return. And what I mean by what you feel about it is that you're making sure that it is clear to your adjuster and it is in writing that you're not saying that you're fine. You're not saying that you're ready to go back to work with no restrictions. You're saying that you're ready to try. Mm -hmm. Don't know how it's going to go, but you would like to try. Make sure that that is clear so that they don't try and shade what you're saying in the records as saying, oh, yes, uh, Joe called and said he's feeling great and wants to go back to work and has no problems It's good anymore. to go. Right. You yeah. don't want that appearing in the records, especially uncontradicted. So make sure that that's clear. Good for another week, fellas. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it right there until we, uh, till we join each other again. In the meantime, you want to reach out and uh, contact the guys, one 821 5900 Email is help at inyourcorner.ca. This has been In Your Corner, Global News Radio.